All right, college basketball fans, here we are for another edition of Mad About Hoops. It is episode 73. We are now in the thick of it. We're off and rolling in this 2022-2023 season. Holiday tournaments have sort of wrapped up. Those were awesome. We can break some of those down. I'm Timmy Hall, and here's another college basketball-loving friend, Evil Bald Colin. Sick Evil Bald Colin. How we feeling, buddy? Tim, we're getting there, man. It's uh, it's good to be back. It's it's good to see some wild November, now into December basketball, man. This this landscape of college basketball is just all, all over the place right now. Yeah, we're going to get into some of the unpredictability that we've got in this sport right now. We are going to have a segment called Pretenders and Contenders, served up by your man, Evil Bald Colin. We, of course, had the Ohio State Buckeyes drop that game to Duke, and we will set the table for what they're going to be doing this weekend. It's a nice and easy buy game for the Buckeyes, but we can talk about their team. We, of course, have to hit you with the Mad About Hoops Louisville tracker. As long as the Louisville Cardinals keep the stuff up, we'll keep you apprised. We have the mid-major flavor. We'll have a Mad About Hoops road trip weekend, which is going to sort of keep an eyeball on games that – I get it. People can listen to us wherever you are, and we certainly do appreciate that. We got listeners all over the country, all over the world. You might not be able to drive to one of these games, but if you're in central Ohio, this might be a college basketball game that you can check out. And Colin, we have to say hi now to our Saturday morning listeners as we're doubling this podcast on the fans. So how no, cool that, that, is that, man? That's great news, man. It's uh, it's it's a really fun opportunity for us to get more of our product out there, and especially for those college basketball fans that want to hear something good getting into the weekend. And, you know, some of the biggest games of the week tend to be on those Saturdays and Sundays. So getting you primed for the biggest matchups of the weekend, I can't wait to do it. Yeah, we will tell you that we're going to be on the fan Saturday mornings at 9 for the duration of the college basketball season. So you will hear the big chunk weekly episode on Saturday morning. But I can promise you things that don't fit into the hour that they give us on the fan will only be available on the podcast feed. And today... We have also chunked in not one, not two, but three interviews that you and I did at Ohio State's Media Day, and we got to catch up with a couple with a walk-on or a transfer, excuse me, Owen Spencer, Bowen Hardman, who is the freshman from Cincinnati, and one of the stars of the team, Justice Suing, who has come back from injury, and we saw him have a memorable, memorable game at the Maui Invitational. So, I mean, I mean, Colin, those are good guys to talk to. Owen Spencer, especially bright young man. I think he wants to be a doctor, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I think he would have gone to med- medical school. Yeah, so I mean, he he'll be he'll have Aaron Kraft on speed dial to get some <laughs> advice and to get some tutelage there. So, and you also it's it's good to focus in on some of the stories from the guys that you don't hear about all the time because a team is a team. Those guys in practice that never get talked about, they matter to the development of the basketball team, and their stories never get told. You never hear from them, so you'll only be able to hear those on our podcast page. But we get this thing rolling right now, episode 73 of Mad About Hoops. We're so glad you guys are with us. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it! He hit it, he Turner! It. He hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. Bang! Oh! 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 oh. 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 
Ripped it in, Jerome! <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! Oh, sweet sounds indeed, Colin. It's good to be talking about this sport that we love so much. And, you know, I was thinking about you. I was watching the uh, the endings of the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which, I mean, how do you feel about that, man? It's going away forever. The TV money ruining a lot of these great things. Yeah, as soon as you heard the new deal with the Big Ten, you kind of seemed like this was coming, and there was rumors about it, and now it's official. You know, it's this it's disappointing. I hope the Big Ten can find something else that they can get back into. I know they have the Gavit games, but of course not every Big Ten team can contribute in that because there's not enough Big East teams. It's sad, but you know, it it, it didn't end on the best note if you're a Big Ten fan. I, I think the ACC kind of showed that they do have some more depth than it, they did last year, and it kind of hurts the narrative of Ohio, not Ohio State, but the Big Ten and yeah, how they want to yeah. make a step back in the right direction after a couple bad postseason runs. I never really looked at the ACC Big Ten Challenge anyway in terms of, oh, like, yeah, our conference is better than yours. I just liked the games, really. Well, I yeah, like, like the I matchups. Said, like I said, it never really indicates how the postseason goes. Like, the Big, no. Ten's, kind of, the Big Ten's kind of dominated the past couple of years, but then... We've seen what they've done in the postseason, right. so it's not yeah. always an indicator. And we say that all the time. Games that happen in November don't really dictate what's going to happen in March. Can't really get to the Final Four. When we do get to the Final Four, uh, certainly don't win the championship. Everybody knows how long it's been since the Big Ten has done that. It's it's crazy, man. I mean, is Mateen Cleaves going to die, and then you know he'll still be the most recent you know superstar Big Ten player to we'll, you know, lead we'll, his team to a championship? We'll Come start, on, we'll start treating it like the uh, seventy-two Dolphins and their undefeated record. <laughs> But any, anyway, uh, I, I didn't say there what I was thinking about you is Jay Billis was riffing and as that, you know, North Carolina, Indiana game was going on and he was commenting on what a great atmosphere it is. And it, it is right. I mean, you, you've been to a game there at assembly now, haven't you? Uh, no, I've not. Oh, I've been outside of had. no. I've been outside of assembly, but I've actually never been. I've never had the chance to go okay. inside. I know you've been to Hinkle many times, but I did yes. get to. I did get to check uh, assembly hall off the bucket list, and it's an it's an interesting looking gym. The way sort of the the side courts kind of angle up, and they go really high above the court, and it's also some interesting space where it's a massive gym, but behind the back court. Or you know, behind the baskets, there's not that much arena space and seating, and then the walls are there. But it's neat, and it, it was a big time environment. And he kind of was just sounding like a politician and joking around and saying how you know I I demand I demand that the blue bloods you know whatever happens with you know whatever's happening with the ACC Big Ten Challenge programs like this you know Carolina you know Kentucky. Indiana, Kansas, Duke, like they all need to just play each other at their home gyms. So he was going on and on about that. And who can disagree, right? I mean, I think I think these these events are good. Obviously, Ohio State participated in the Maui. The Maui is great for college basketball. I'll never say otherwise, but we need to not forget about playing in our own gyms and playing big powerhouse programs in the non-conference. We got to hear Chris Holman speaking about this when some of the noise was raising about the lack of quality non-conference opponents at the shot this year, Colin. Yeah, well, I think Ohio State's situation is a little different because some of those games were out of, out of their control, whether it was the matchups in Maui, the uh, CBS Sports Classic, like some of these in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, like you can't control where those sites are going to be, and you just have to build the rest of your non-conference around what's given to you. I, I completely sympathize and understand with what Ohio State did with their schedule. But, yes, 
it is a detriment to the actual home base and trying to watch games in the arena. Uh, I, I hope it does provide an opportunity, though, when this forced game, whether it's home or away, you can still get it to where you can manipulate your schedule to at least guarantee yourself one marquee game at home. Where are you with the continued participation in, say, the CBS Sports Classic? And I say that because I... The ACC Big Ten Challenge was always a bit of a hybrid in that it takes away a game that you can go out and schedule on your own, but at least they're home site games. Now, it just hurts you a little bit in that year that you have to go on the road so you don't have anything for your fan base back home. The CBS Sports Classic is never providing good quality basketball for either of the team's home fan base. Yeah, the CBS Sports Classic is kind of weird because it, it's beneficial in terms of the teams that are playing in it. You're almost always playing a quality opponent. You're getting a, a quad one win if you get the win. But again, it's it's at a neutral site. Like You, you can't really factor that into your uh, specific schedule and how you want to build it correctly. And at the same time, you're playing the same three teams in a cycle every three years. I would personally prefer to just kind of use that as like a rogue opportunity to get that marquee game home one year and then away the next year and kind of mix it up. You know, I, I love playing... Kentucky, UCLA, yeah, and North Carolina, but maybe throw in like a Gonzaga or maybe, uh, maybe in Arkansas with, with Musselman and what he's doing down there. Like let's let's spice it up a little bit. You know, it's just clearly we got a lot of fans that have longed for more battles between the great Ohio schools, and I will, <sighs> of course, I will continue to be a proponent of that. Look, man, I mean, you know me, Colin. We've talked about this so many times. I'm, I'm never going to shy away from playing a big-time opponent. It's basketball, right? You're going to play upwards of 30-some games by the time it's done when you factor in your conference tournament. And if you're good, if you're a good team, you will get in the NCAA tournament. The field is big enough. No matter who you play, you're going to have to rise up and win some of your games, right? It's just... It's the old iron sharpens iron. If you're playing a weakling that's, you know, ranked, you know, 346th in the nation, it's going to be a sleepy old game. And yeah, like you're always going to say you're going to be able to improve and build on some things. But if you're always playing a quality opponent, I think that's going to do more. And you're, if you're a great team, you're still going to wind up having great nights and you'll beat some of the quality opponents by 15 to 25 points. You'll do it. Right. And in terms of scheduling like that, it just shows the confidence in your own team that, hey, even if we drop this opportunity, you know, we we can still make it up later and we're we're still good enough that we're going to do what we need to do in conference play to make sure we're in the tournament. But again, it's it's not necessarily just the building of the resume. It's also building the team as the season goes on, because if you're not getting better against good competition throughout the year, those are the type of teams that you can kind of see slip up when, when it comes to March because they haven't faced the stiff competition on the road or on a neutral site like that. You know, I you know, we, we said we get into some of the unpredictability of this sport right now, and, and you, you talk about things that we have discussed an awful lot as well to throw in on top of just you know some of the scheduling game that we hit on. Just the way the sport is going where how quickly you can replenish your roster, it's scary in the regard that guys can leave, but it's nifty in the way that you can build it all right back. I mean, you can lose guys in the transfer portal, then you have that same ability to go out and gain players back in the transfer portal, and you can still recruit traditionally. We know the one and done's going away, so that's going to be a factor. You won't have those, you know, Zion Williamson types anymore, and that does sting. You know, that stinks to a degree, but maybe in the long run it helps out the sport. But you know, you're seeing a lot of 
a lot of things that maybe we didn't expect. You know, who who would have seen this North Carolina team, even with the schedule that they're playing, losing three in a row, you know, losing right. to Iowa State, Alabama, and then Indiana on the road. And also, you know, credit to Mike Woodson for Indiana. I have my doubts about Mike Woodson stepping in. And they also haven't done anything yet, but so far, so good. You have to at least give that to the Hoosiers. They're undefeated. They're having a nice season. Purdue shooting all the way up to number five. That's You, ha- a, that's you had to do it, man. right? You had, you had to move to. them up. Yeah, you had to. Uh, going back to North Carolina real quick, it's it's kind of brought up a topic am- amongst a lot of people of what were we really expecting with this team. Maybe was it just kind of a product of a hot March it, or even like late February into March, and maybe they're just kind of reverting back to what they were pre-going uh, off, as they would say. But yeah, it, it's kind of been frustrating if you're a North Carolina fan because it seems like it's a lot of, and what I've seen, it's kind of like a lot of isolation ball. It's a bunch of guys that want to get theirs, and at times it feels like there's a lot of dribbling and a lot of isolation uh, fadeaway shots versus like actual like offense. It, it, it's kind of weird. They felt like they were out 20 points in that game against Indiana. They were always within like 10 because of the foul game, and I, I know Indiana fans were complaining about the, the rate of fouls, and that kept North Carolina in the game. But yeah, that's definitely a team that should be frustrated. But in terms of rebuilding your team, Arkansas is a great example of that with the guys they brought in from the transfer portal. Like Ricky Council, the, the fourth, a guy they brought in from Wichita State. Uh, Trayvon Brazil, they brought in from Missouri. These are guys that are averaging double digits and leading the way, especially with their star freshman, Nick Smith, that's been out. This is a team that's going to compete for a national title, most likely, if they do what they did last year. And it's just, it's a cycle of, okay, we lose all these guys. If we bring in high-quality transfers that have performed really well with their teams prior, we have a chance, and that's all you could really ask for. Yeah, you know, there's a, a team you didn't mention there who's ranked a little bit down in the top 25 right now, but I think they're sneaky good, and they're in the Big Ten. How about the Maryland Terps with Kevin Willard going over there? They've got a really interesting roster, Colin, and I think the Terps are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Big Ten all season. Yeah, I think they have a pretty big I think they have a pretty big Big Ten game this weekend. I yes, think they they, uh, they uh, will will miss it with how we're recording this pod. They're playing a, a Friday night game against Illinois. That's right. Yeah, that's right. so I guess yeah, I guess uh, they could be this it could be even a better statement or a worse one. Well, <laughs> depending here's, on when you're listening. Here's yeah. the thing, it's not only that, they have a stretch after that with Illinois. They'll be on the road at Wisconsin to finish their Big 10 uh, first half of the season. Uh, slate, and then they'll play Tennessee and UCLA. So it's going to get really hot, and heavy for them right away. But like you said, they've uh, Dante Scott's leading the way, like he was last year. He was a really good. It kind of seemed like a stretch forward, like he played almost like a guard, but he was built like a forward. Uh, Jameer Young is a transfer they brought in, but really the evolution from year one to year two of the big man Julian, Julian Reese Julian has Reese. been phenomenal. He's the guy. For them. Yeah, he's the guy, man. And, you know, we're, we're living in a world here where you, you break down the top five. You got Houston. It's it's impressive to still see uh, the Cougars maintain and uh, continue to be this team out of the American Conference, right? They're not a mid-major, not at all. I mean, first time they've been number one, I think, since the, the 80s, uh, ranked number one in the poll. It's an impressive accomplishment. Texas, Virginia, nice to see the Cavs, especially we know their campus has been hurting with the, the tragedies with the football team, with the shootings there. It's really awful. So, But, man, they've cool. been playing, like, yeah. really well and a lot different than what they've g- done in the past. Because Right, but they're always – you can still tell they're Tony Bennett coached. You know what I they mean? They are. They are. But, man, they're scoring points. I mean, they're putting up 80-plus points on some of these ranked teams.
Yeah, Arizona, their top five, a big international team, Arizona there with the old bench coach from Gonzaga in his second year, but they just getting stomped by Utah. I mean, there you go, kind of what we were alluding to, just some of the craziness. You know, Baylor's a really good team, but uh, the one loss that that they had, I mean, they, they lost to Marquette. They got destroyed by Marquette. That was one of those eye-popping, shocking scores. Yeah. I didn't watch that game, Colin, but when I was scanning my phone and saw Baylor was getting housed by nearly 30 by Marquette, I said, my God, what's happening here? Good for Shaka. Yeah, I didn't get to see it either, but Marquette was a team that kind of impressed me when they played uh, at Purdue. They kind of they hung pretty tight. Uh, they lost Dawson Garcia, who's now in the Big Ten over with Minnesota, so you didn't really know what they were going to have coming back, but they've got four guys averaging double digits, and it seems like you know, it's just like Utah. Utah was a team that had a hot shooting night against Arizona, and it paid off. It seems to have paid off for Marquette. All right. We're going to get into some of our pretenders and contenders here in the early stages of this 2022-23 college basketball season. If you're listening to us here, you're one of our college basketball-loving friends, and we're glad to have our friends on the fan checking us out as well. So a quick pause, and we'll get to that coming up here. All right, it is Mad About Hoops, episode 73, into a another college basketball season. The road to March. It's December, but we're on the road to March. Got to get you excited, right, Colin? So you're looking at all these teams. You're trying to sort out which of these guys are for real, which of these guys are kind of fake. There's going to be moving and shaking all season long. So it's really tough to hammer down. I mean, we know. Yeah. We think we know. This group tends to grow now over the last few years. There's more teams, I think, that we look at that we would point the finger at and say, I think you got a shot. I don't quite know you entirely yet, but I think you got a shot in the end. Yeah, I think it's cliche, but we say it every year. But it means even more this season. It seems completely wide open. So the contenders or pretender segment, you could probably go 30 teams deep and kind of be realistic with it. But um, no, this year it's... You're about to get into conference play. Some teams have already started conference play. So you're going to get more of an answer of where these teams are heading. But especially in the top, I would say, 20, it kind of seems like a mixed bag. Uh, the first team I'll start off with you is the Purdue team we talked about. This is a team that I was down on heading into the season, but they've got some really good play from two freshmen in Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith, averaging double digits along with the evolution of Zach Eady, averaging 22-11 and 11 a game. Uh, at the PK Legacy, they beat Gonzaga by 18 and Duke by 19. Crazy. Uh, Painter yeah. historically struggles in March, but they're fifth in offensive Ken Palm and 26th on defense, so they've even improved on a defensive end. Are they contenders or pretenders? You know, I produce a tough one for me with the family history, and I, I always have to say, and my dad would agree, who went to school there, <laughs> you have to side with their pretender. Because oh, the, the pessimism, yes. They, it's, it's pessimistic, yeah. It, it, it's always negativity, and I feel bad for the Boilermaker community because they've had some great teams here. How could you argue how good of a coach, how, how solid of a coach Matt Painter has been? He's been one of the better coaches in the nation, really, but they can't. they just cannot get that Final Four. They just cannot do it. And, and we've seen different types of guys roll through this team too. And we finally saw a guy like Jaden Ivy, you know, even when they had Carson Edwards, right? He didn't really have that ultra athleticism to hit the shots and go and then dunk on somebody's head. Right. I mean, Carson Edwards was a freak and how he could just get buckets. And 
if they couldn't do it with that team, by the way, when he was scoring what seemed to be like 35, 40 points a night in the NCAA tournament, when can they do it? They've had these big, you know, seven footers before. They've had these guys. I mean, maybe not the size of Zach Eady, and he is fantastic. He's one of the best players in America. So I think it's it's kind of funny. You know, I, they're going to have a shot in the end, but I'll have to say no on, like, will Purdue be a Final Four team? And that's when you say contender, you better be trying to get to the Final Four and then win it all. Yeah, I kind of agree with you because, quite honestly, I need to see more development or more contributions from behind them because guys like Brandon Newman, who's been in the program, uh, Mason Gillis, Ethan Thornton, uh, transfer from Sandy, or South Dakota State and UNLV, David Jenkins. Like These are guys that need to pr- produce more than, at most, seven, six points a game. Like If they're going to actually compete in these high-scoring games against top competition throughout the year and co- going into March, you need more than just three guys getting you double digits every single night. Yeah, absolutely. What's next? Uh, next, we're going to go to another team in the top ten. It's actually number three, Virginia. They're 6-0 and with wins over... Baylor, Illinois, and at Michigan. They have four players averaging double digits, led by IU, Indiana transfer Armand Franklin and Reese Beckman uh, with 11.8 points per game. They're an old team. They've got tons of transfers on this team, especially Ohio University transfer Ben Vanderplas. Uh, They're sixth overall in Kenpom, but they're third in offensive efficiency and 17th in defensive. I don't think I've ever seen that reverse like that ever. I have to say they're a contender. Because of their pedigree, of course, because of who they're coached by, because of what that program is about, their style of play. They're a team that traditionally just doesn't give it up too. you know, they, they don't turn the ball over. You know, they're shooting 50 percent. They hit shots at the at the uh, three point line. They make their free throws. They don't turn the basketball over They're Like you're saying, like their assist to turnover ratio. It's, it's phenomenal right now. Reese Beekman, uh, great player, you know, great player for them. And they're a team, right? I mean, they got all those guys averaging, you know, eight and a half points or above. They got six different guys they can turn to on a given night. Yeah, it just looks complete. Like, I think that's what they were missing last year is the offensive efficiency, and it's it's clearly showing up. They're a top three team in that metric. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm completely impressed. I, I wonder how consistent it will be throughout the entire season. Maybe it's just a hot start, but you have to be impressed by it so far. All right, who's next? Uh, Alabama, they are a team that's in the top 15. They have a loss to number 20, UConn, but wins over Michigan State and North Carolina. They are led by Phenom freshman Brandon Miller. The forward averages 19.6 points per game. And Ohio transfer, got a feel for our guy uh, Bowles at at Ohio. Two of his top guys are really playing well at the power level, but Mark Sears is averaging 14.3 points per game. They are 21st in offensive efficiency and 14th in defensive efficiency. They seem to rely heavily on those two top two guys in terms of Sears and Miller for scoring. And the track record for Oates in March with Alabama hasn't been very strong. Yeah, I'll, and for that reason, I'll I'll slide them into the pretender category right now. Like you mentioned, great great wins. I mean, really great wins. The uh, the four overtime game against North Carolina and their schedule is crazy, right? Like the, the fact that they've got Houston and Gonzaga. I mean, we'll find out more about them, but. I just don't know if... Yeah, Oates has never been afraid to schedule, and and he's got Memphis. Yeah, they just don't have you know that overall depth right now that I'm looking for. You know, that's that's the one thing. I, I, lo- I look down the line, I see they got Charles Badeko, and that's an interesting player for them to have on their side. We know Quinterly a little bit, and you mentioned the second straight team you've gone to that has an Ohio Bobcat on it, and I do <laughs> like those guys. But I can... 
I see Alabama as being one of those sweet 16 teams that probably has uh, the struggles to get over the top and get to the final four. I agree. I, I don't think they're going to be anything more, more than the sweet 16 team. And this is a program where while the numbers look good defensively, they haven't been historically great. So I, I think that could trip them up when it gets to March. All right. Who we got next? Number four is a big one. It's Big Blue Nation. You've got Kentucky. They've lost both of their marquee games against Michigan State and Gonzaga, and it's been a slow start for freshmen not named Kaysen Wallace. Uh, the transfer from Illinois State, Antonio Reeves, has made a huge impact. He's had 14.9 points per game. Sheboy's starting to get back into more of a rhythm. He's averaging about 26 point, or minutes per game. Uh, five, get, five guys averaging double digits. Scoring is not going to be an issue with this team. It's all always going to be about turnovers and defense. Uh, there's some guys on this roster that, while they can score, they are huge defensive are defensive liabilities, so it makes rotations a little difficult when it gets tight late in the game. They are 5th in Kempom with 16th offensively and 4th def- defensively, which makes it really strange why they've struggled in these big games. Yeah, I think they're, I think Kentucky's a pretender still. What about you, Colin? Uh, no, I completely agree. Why uh, I don't believe this is a team that can consistently play on a defensive end against the top competition over and over and get the results. Most of this, these numbers are kind of fluffed up by the competition they played outside of Michigan State and uh, uh, Gonzaga. So I, I think it's not going to be consistent throughout the year. All right, next one. How many more of these you got? I got one more for you because it's a team we just saw if you're an Ohio State fan, it's, and it's Duke. They've lost to Can- Kentucky, and or I'm sorry, Kansas and Purdue, and they've won against Xavier and Ohio State. Really what's going down to the, the numbers with this team is that they're not a very good shooting team. Like Historically, it's going to be one of the lowest percentage shooting teams in Duke in recent memory. Their three-point shooting is kind of all over the place. Uh, their star recruit, Derek Lively Jr., he's kind of struggled to get into the, the flow of the game. Uh, Derek Whitehead's getting back into the mixture. He's also a very highly touted freshman. Uh, really, the team's going behind the power of Kyle Filipowski and Jeremy Roach, the senior point guard. Other than that, there really isn't a whole lot of consistent scoring behind those guys. Uh, Mark Mitchell and uh, Proctor kind of fill in behind them. But it seems like overall, I think it was a missed opportunity for Ohio State in that game. But this Duke team doesn't seem like it's all that great. Yeah, I I say pretender for Duke as well, man, for a lot of the reasons that that you ripped off. And it's just when you have that many true freshmen to rely on, that's a thing, right? Like I get they're talented and it's a thing, but it's power. also if they're not as talented as the previous class, like if they're not even close to the Bancaro class. So if, no, if they're not they, living up to that level, them. they got seven of them. I get that. And Filipowski is nice. Like he is very, really nice. And so is Derek Lively. Like as, as those guys improve, like they've got the bigs, but honestly, I would still, I would still, even for a team with three straight losses, like I get it. Like that's what, that's, what's interesting about this segment, right? Like we talk about Alabama and they got sure they got great wins and I think they should be ranked and rated accordingly with those great wins, but we're, we're predicting out to what happens in March. And that's kind of what we love about this sport is that just because you rattle off some big wins doesn't mean we still think you're making a final four or you're going to outlast the toughest test in sports that we think. I'd still side with UNC, man. Having been to the title game, losing three straight, I don't care. Like it's, it's I trust early them in the more. season. Well, I trust them more if specifically they're, if they're because be healthy. You know, they got Love and Baycott and Davis and Leaky right. Black. Like I would, I'd go with those guys. The old wins in college basketball, old wins, and also three point shooting wins in the tournament. If you don't have a very efficient three point shooting team, chances are you're go- not going to have a team that can make those that run of 
five plus games, depending on if you're in a play in game. Like, and lo- you love just, you can have shoot to be better. Do- we know well, love can shoot better. Well, he's going to. He's going to even out at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Like he's he's shot the ball like crap here, but he he can be a better shooter, and they do need to keep working with him on shot selection. Like that's that's one of the things. And kind of who he is, but then you're getting a 20 point score too. Like yeah, well, he, that guy I mean, that he can got hit a big shot. He, he got benched at times during that Indiana game because of his shot selection. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty evident that Hubert Davis was just kind of getting fed up with it. Yeah, it was. All right, so we'll take another quick pause here, and we do want to talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes and that game against Duke, and what we think of this Ohio State team right now. So a quick pause, and uh, to our listeners on the fan as well, we continue on episode 73 of Mad About Hoops. Timmy Hall and Evil Bald Colin, it's Mad About Hoops. We certainly do appreciate all of our college basketball-loving friends out there. We are glad you are with us. And to our guys listening in on the fan as well, be sure to subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your audio. There, of course, will be things in the feed that you won't be able to hear as we double the show now for our Saturday morning listening audience. Setting the table for all the good college basketball. We do have a Buckeye game coming up here Saturday at noon. St. Francis of PA, big juggernaut, Evil. Do you know the, uh, yeah, I'm totally worried. Do you uh, know their nickname? You know what? I forgot. I was looking at the profile yesterday. Is it the like the Quakers or something? It is the Red Flash. Red Flash. Yeah. Okay. Not the Red Storm. The Red Flash. Uh, That's I, a good I, one. Honestly, I, I'm gonna do a quick Ken Palm. It search, had to be I, something else before the Red Flash. It had to be something bad, you know, that they had to look at and say, you know what? Times have changed. We can't be the Redskins anymore, or something like that. And they changed it. I bet. Yeah, I'm gonna do a quick search on Ken Palm real quick and see if I can find where they are. And you can do it. They're gonna be really low, man. Would you? Would you like to take a guess? Bad team. I'm there gonna, are 363 teams overall. I'm gonna say they're 354. You're close. They're 330th. They are two and six two on and the six. season yeah. and not very good. They have beat. Here are their wins. They have beaten Hartford. They, they housed Hartford. That's that's bad news for Hartford. Seventy seven fifty three, and they well beat... Hartford. You know you know the story behind Hartford. What's the story behind Hartford? So Hartford was a, a school. I think it was last year where they announced they were going to go from all their sports from D one to D three, like completely just nuke the the athletic department, and it it got so bad to the point that the head coach, like days before the season started back in November, just left. He he just resigned and moved on and. It's just been a program in disarray. Oh so my goodness! I'm honestly. They do- they, you said they they took them down to D three. So they're in the pro- to they're in the process. The- wow! They're, how about they're that? in the process of transitioning. They're actually playing as an independent this year because they just completely dropped out of their conference and they're preparing to go down to D three. But they're actually three hundred fifty ninth in Ken Bomb, so they're actually not last. Wow! But wow. I'm sure you could guess who's last because we played them last year. Who's last? It is IUPUI. Ooey pooey. At one and six. Old ooey pooey. Well, anyway, back to the Buckeyes, and they're playing St. Francis of PA, the Red Flash. Wins over Hartford and Franciscan, or Franciscan. When you click on them, it says the Franciscan University Barons, so that's nice. But Ohio State, they had the game against Duke this past week, Colin. And what were your thoughts seeing Ohio State jump out to a nice start, 
But uh, some cer- some things did pop off the page about that performance. What did you see? Yeah, like I said in the earlier segment, it just kind of seemed like a missed opportunity. Uh, I think this is a beatable Duke team and a team a Duke team that isn't very strong from shooting from the perimeter. But it, it seemed like they gave them anything they wanted in the paint, or it seemed like any shot they wanted to get it at the rim, Ohio State was giving it to them. I, I don't think they played very well on defense. And quite honestly, I, I just need to see more consistency throughout the game from their leaders, especially just the sewing. Like, I don't need 33 points from you every game like you did against San Diego State, but I need consistency. I know foul trouble was an issue, but I can't have you disappearing on offense or stretches yeah. of the game because there's just – who is it going to go through at that point? Because uh, Sensible kind of seemed like the Bryce were a little light on the ro- first true road game like that. <laughs> I, I, I totally understand. But where is that, where's that offense going to come from? Like, it just seemed like it was a struggle at a point. And it, you kind of were playing like a catch-up game. Yeah, and you you mentioned it too. So the defense, Zed Key had a phenomenal game offensively in the yes, second half. Nobody would deny that was part of what got Ohio State back into the game. Did you also feel like Zed was chasing a lot on ball screen defense? It's oh, just, they were they were getting destroyed right? on ball screen defense. Why, why does this continue to be a thing for this program? I think if there's one thing that kind of is noticeable about Ohio State basketball, people talk about the offensive fluidity, and while sometimes, yes, and Duke Duke game would be an example of that where they did not share the basketball well enough to only have five or six assists and 16 turnovers. I think anybody who played basketball or watches basketball would say that's not good enough, and they would agree. But Zed, he gave so much offensively, I wonder how much he's going to be able to keep up his end of the bargain on defense because they need him, man. Like, if, if he's in there, he's your five. You got to have that guy that is top-notch at communicating and not letting a big roll to the basket and letting the guy get behind him to where he's at risk of fouling and giving up an easy and one. You said it. That was the story of the game. Even though Ohio State got plenty in the post as well, we're not like comparing stats. It was just the way that Duke's bigs were able to score down low all night. It just seemed too easy. Too many wide-open looks where they got behind the Buckeye defense and guys were chasing the play. I don't know if it was like a law from Maui, maybe like, you know, that time off coming back from the island, maybe there's some adjustment period going on, but it, and maybe there was some little fatigue. Maybe that was what's going on with Zed. Maybe there's a little fatigue going against guys like Ryan Young, Derek Lively down in the post on the offensive end, and then coming up and playing on the perimeter in that, that pick and roll game. Like maybe that just kind of took a toll after, after some time, but I, man, it just seems like every possession I'm asking, can we get maybe two or three stops and get back into this? And it it just got to a point where you just couldn't match them score for score, and they eventually just got out of reach. I've, I've said a few things uh, on the air this week about Sean McNeil, and he went out there and had a nice game. You know, he was yeah. the second-leading scorer for Ohio State, 14 points. Unfortunately, the way Ohio State was playing – they needed more from Sean McNeil. He took the most shots, and I'm okay with that. And he's been doing that in a lot of the recent games too, which I, I, I'm okay with. I, I am too. I just I, I felt bad because he was hunting for the shot, and I think later in that second half he took some good open threes that the team needed him to make to close the gap. You know, Tanner Holden had a play there where he blew a wide-open layup, and it was, yeah, in, the, that it was in a run. One, yeah. You know, it's like you never, ever... I was joking around with Tyvis about this because uh, he was big on Tanner Holden coming in, and we still are. He's got to be better for the team. He can't have a donut when uh, the bench scoring was lacking. You don't pass up a, a bucket on the right side if the right side is wide open. 
You don't go up and under and reverse it when the side you're on is open. I mean, every coach will tell you that. Go up. Go up and put it in. Just dunk the ball in if it's that wide open. So yeah, I that think was this bad. Is... And, you know, but Sean McNeil shot the ball a lot. He just needed a few more of those threes to fall. I mean, five for 13. And we needed like seven or eight of those buckets to go in. Yeah, this is just a reality of transfers, man, especially coming from the mid-major level up to the power conference level with Holden. It's just a process of getting your confidence and knowing that you can play in this level. I think he's kind of shaken a little bit, especially on the offensive side. I need to see him get a little bit more of a rhythm in some of these bye games coming up so he can build that confidence when he's playing a team like uh, North Carolina in a couple of weeks. So we got to get that because we need more bench production outside of what just Sensible is bringing to the table. Yeah, Bryce just had a really, really rough game where he fouled out. He just couldn't hold on to the rock. Like well, that, that there was, was just it. a lot of slippery basketball. It just seemed like a, a bunch of players on this team. It just seemed like there was a lot of careless ball handling. Nerves. It's yes. nerves. I mean, look where you're playing, too. It was. I was really excited about that one going in. How could you not be? There really aren't many places like Cameron Indoor. When you factor in what the place looks like, the history, how iconic it is, you can just feel it, right? It's vibrant. I mean, the brass railings, the wooden seats, the crazies there hours before. Zed Key's walking in to start warm-ups, right? I saw our guy Adam Jardy with the post, and the crazies are out there in full force just heckling you every single miss in warm-ups. You don't really have to deal with that in other places. It's good. I mean, and I think Ohio State's players were were jacked out of their minds to to get the opportunity. It's just when it actually started, I think it affected a couple of those guys. Not everybody, but a couple of them. And then that's what the team is about. You kind of have to have everybody buying in and everybody operating at high capacity to beat a Duke on the road to overcome seven phenomenal freshmen, the size that they have, and then the environment you're playing in. Yeah, I really want to sidestep real quick and get back to that the Cameron Crazies real quick because... I get it if you want to mock Ohio State for the loss to Oral Roberts, but you have to have a little bit of uh, self-realization to know that you also were in the 2-5 matchup once, you also lost to Lehigh, and you also have that stain on your history. So I don't know if you have the right to talk about that, but that's just my point. I uh, I wanted to get that oh, out Oh, like t- oh, the- talking about Oral Roberts? Yeah. No, that's like, just what you're going to do. <laughs> that's just what you're going to do. Like... Uh, I, I get it if it's an average team, but like you have done it plenty of times, Duke. Like you were a prime example of it with one of your better teams. Look, that that is just one of the reasons why why Duke is hateable, and the way that they get the referees to just completely buy into everything they're trying to do. <laughs> that's that's the other that's thing true. makes that's them true. hateable. All right, so one more thing to do here on our podcast. We've got the Louisville Tracker. We've got the <laughs> Mid Major Flavor. We've got the Mad About Hoops Road Trip Weekend, a game that you could possibly check out. Uh, It's got a nice rating here. All that coming up as we continue on. It's Mad About Hoops, episode 73. All right. Timmy Hall, Evil Bald Colin. Lots of college basketball talk for you. That's what we do. That's what this podcast is. So why don't we uh, taste a mid-major flavor, huh? We got to give it up for our mid-majors. What's college basketball without them? And, you know, unfortunately, we don't have one that we would define a mid-major ranked right now. We'd like to see them in the top 25. Yeah, it's been a rough start for it's been a rough start for a lot of them, especially a team like Dayton, man. Like, they've had opportunities in these 
this early slate of non-conference games, and they just really haven't capitalized. Give so, some love for Charleston, though. That's my mid-major that's, flavor because they are one. the closest one. 20 votes puts them basically at uh, that 28 spot in the country. So that's a nice start for them. That's a very good one. Mine's going to be New Mexico from the Mountain West. Now, you don't really think of mid-major when you think of the Mountain West, but New Mexico's a program that really hasn't been up there recently, but head coached by a guy we know very well in the Big Ten and Richard Pertino, and they're 7-0 and with a road win at St. Mary's. They're very talented. They have a, a team full of transfers. Uh, he brought in Jamal Mashburn Jr. a couple years ago when he took the job uh, from going from Minnesota to New Mexico. It's a guy who's averaging 16.3 points per game, but Pairing him with Morris Udesi and Jalen House, guys that are averaging over 17 points per game. This is a high-scoring team and a high-flying team, and really, they're a team that could be similar to like that San Diego State team of a few years ago, or some of these teams where they play in these mid-major or mid-level conferences and could go close to undefeated throughout it. They're really only tough remaining game non-conferences. Iona, they'll probably have to reschedule their New Mexico State game at some point. And then once it gets in the conference play, it's really San Diego State and Wyoming that are really going to scare you. So this is a team that you could watch out for come tournament time that could be like a 10 seed that could give a 7 seed a lot of trouble. New Mexico is getting one vote in the polls right now. So one person noticed. You could actually look that up. There's like a college poll tracker.com. You're actually one of the sickos that, that studies that stuff at certain points throughout the season to see what the biases are with the voting. Uh, Charleston, by the way, the team that I mentioned, just uh, a lot of a lot of really good wins right now. I mean, they're just a, a good, solid basketball team. They started hot, too. I mean, they're only losses to North Carolina, but they beat a lot of the not-ranked teams, but teams that you would call, Colin, I know, I know squads that you respect traditionally, like the Richmond Spiders. Always yeah. nice, right? Davidson. Who doesn't like Davidson? Old the, the fighting Steph Curry's, Bob McKillop, right? Then they beat Colorado State. Then they beat an ACC opponent in Virginia Tech. And then they beat Kent State out of the MAC. And then Old Dominion, another Virginia team. That's a rock-solid start for the Charleston Cougars. It's a very good start. And it's a conference in the Colonial where, again, it's another conference where a team like that really doesn't have the challenge throughout the year where they could go and put up a a one-loss or two-loss season and look really, really juicy going into the tournament. Uh, they're coached by Pat Kelsey, who was originally with Winthrop, and we know Winthrop throughout the years have produced really good teams in their conference. So I think he's done a really good job of building up that program, and they gave North Carolina a scare last year too, so I'm not surprised by that at all. All right, man, as we finish up our final few topics, we get to the Mad About Hoops Louisville tracker, and we're going to have to keep the tracker going until we see fit. And I don't, I don't see this being unfit because when you start 0-7, there's, there's not a chance they get back to 500 this season. Can we agree on that? Uh, yes, I do agree with that. Not a chance. Not a chance in hell. And here's the fun in this, that they're 0-7. Their next game is against Miami. That'll be a loss. And that's, a, uh, that's a Sunday game. They're home against Miami. Then they're on the road at Florida State. And you talk about two programs, right? Louisville. Florida State having one win right now. The loss to Purdue put them at one and eight. That's a crazy start. But Louisville's terrible, too. They're on the road. They could drop to 0-9. Then, unfortunately, they have three more bye games, so it won't be as fun because they'll have the chance to get the victory because it would be insane to see how long this winless streak could go into a season. But Western Kentucky is good. That's the first one up on the 14th at home. Then they have FAMU really bad. You'd think they're getting the win there. 
And even Lipscomb, I'm not going to guarantee Louisville beats Lipscomb at this point. That's their last bye game, and then they're on the road at NC State, and then on the road at Kentucky on New Year's Eve. Yeah, this is going to get really ugly for them. I, I Maybe we can just kind of speculate a little bit on this, because this again, this Louisville, compared to like a Texas in football, this is one of the highest revenue programs in college basketball like yes no no comparison no debate like they are the top is this a situation where if it continues down this path could Kenny Payne actually be a one and done yes yes okay. he could I I mean I agree but I just I at what point does it not become a crazy thought anymore I think that would be it's the level of expectation I mean look at like some of the players, they're not just that losing; they got, they're man. getting blown out. L. Ellis is a really good player, you know. Like they they start off, their top guy is a really big time scorer, and he's been available for all these games. Yeah, we're seeing other coaches step into jobs and take over situations that weren't exactly great. We're years removed too; years removed from the Rick Pitino stuff. I know they're still dealing with some minor things from Chris Mack and some of the cultural issues and some of the minor sanctions that were left there. But there is just no reason. There is no excuse for the basketball to look like this. There's there's a certain standard and expectation there, man. We're sitting here in Columbus, Ohio, where football is king. It just, you wouldn't stand for it. You wouldn't stand for it, no matter what the issues were. Buckeye football has come off of scandal before and it doesn't fall apart like that. You can understand maybe limping your way to a 500 season to trying to get it back in gear, but not this, man. Not no, that. This is going to be brutal. Uh, I don't see how they turn this around. Uh, funny, I'm looking at the ACC standings. Your bottom three are Louisville, Florida State, and Syracuse. You don't see that very often. Um, yeah, even the Western Kentucky game, Rick Stansbury, a guy we enjoy a lot, and he's he's done really good in the transfer portal, and he's got a pretty good team at Western Kentucky. You're talking about losing to possibly... One, two, three in-state programs? That would be disastrous for this team this year. Total, total disaster, total embarrassment going on uh, with the Louisville Cardinals right now. So we'll keep it, we'll keep it watching. And here you go. Here's a little Mad About Hoops weekend road trip tracker right here. So coming up on Saturday night, this is the one game. And, and I understand this is more catering to the Central Ohio audience right here. Got it? So... I'm looking in the Big East, and this kind of gets you fit. If you need to catch a game, you're dying to get down somewhere, get into a great environment. The Cintas Center, Big East, Big 12 battle. They're, neither of them are ranked, but Xavier's always a good basketball team. West Virginia's off to a 6-1 and one start. You know the quality of ball you're getting with a West Virginia Mountaineers. 6.30 at the Cintas Center, Saturday night. That, I think I rated about an 8 it's a tickets as low as 36 bucks. So you can get in the door. It's not that bad of a price. I've been to the Cintas, Colin. I think you have too, right? Or I have not had a chance. You're still no. waiting. Well, yes. I saw a Butler game there. It's fantastic. I mean, I've told the story. I saw the Butler game there. I mean, days before the pandemic rolled in and shut everything down. That's right. I remember feeling weird doing it, but it's like, okay, we're all still doing this. Yeah, you're, you're doing, we're going to the games. Okay. I'll go to the game too. But that's uh, that's a good one for me. If you're an Ohio State football fan, which I'm sure you are, Utah-USC has already happened, and we've got TCU and K-State at noon. That one's going to be in the books, so you're going to know. You'll either be happy thinking that you're going to get in on Sunday or you just want to take your mind off things and go catch a ball game. That's the one. That's the one I'm looking at. There's uh, Yeah, you can get into Kentucky-Michigan for 12 bucks on Sunday if you wanted to go. 
You just have to go to London, but I mean, you, you could see, still see the game. Uh, that's a joke. Uh, but no, Cincinnati and uh, Bryant. It'd be tough to make happen. A little London game. Yes. Uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati's hosting Bryant on Sunday. That's a fun little one if you just have nothing to do and you want to see uh, uh, the March superstar and Doug Eater. He's the uh, star for Bryant. Uh, tickets are going for as low as 90 bucks for that. So Cincinnati fans are really, really hyped up for that. Uh, but if you wanted to make a Big Ten trip, you could go up to East Lansing if you've always wanted to go to Breslin Center. Michigan State hosting Northwestern. That's actually going to be a really fun game because I think Northwestern's underrated. They played Auburn really tough, and they've got a pretty pretty deep team. Well, Kyle and I had so much fun, man. Well, I wonder what kind of wild and crazy things we're going to see in the next week of college basketball. And this was nice. We, uh, for the first time, had our listening audience on The Fan checking us out where we'll kind of double the pod but as we said before, there will be chunks that you can only get on our podcast feed that we can't fit into the program that we format for the Saturday morning show. But this is very cool. I hope people enjoyed us that hadn't checked this out yet. And then you can check out the podcast feed and make sure you are subscribed. I can't wait, man. I mean, big football weekend, of course, that we're excited for. A lot of great college basketball games coming up. And uh, we'll see how this Ohio State Buckeye team gets themselves prepared for the next big one against North Carolina. Yeah, Tim, I can't wait. Like I said, it's kind of like a little tune-up with St. Francis getting ready for that, and then you'll have a couple Big Ten games, and it's it's coming here fast and heavy. All right, everybody, thanks for checking us out. This has been Episode 73 of Mad About Hoops. Be well.